Hello and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me as usual. Darcy, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, trying to figure out how to work a computer because apparently I figure out how to get your life together. (laughs) I've literally been working nonstop since like eight o'clock this morning and like I forgot to charge my headphones and it's a whole thing and it just... It's a thing. It's a whole thing. (laughs) I'm a a mess right now. Yeah. My mom's in town, so like I'm I'm trying to do way too many things at once and I'm sure people are being neglected and feelings are being hurt but yeah I'm just trying to get everything completed in a very short period of time so and we're pre-recording this a little bit um but I picked out some a case to talk about today that's pretty relevant because it's got a lot going on that's currently going through the court system so first and foremost though I want to talk about a tip topic that I'm sure a lot of people heard about but that is the slap heard around the world we can't have a show where we don't talk about this. I mean, do we have to, though? <laughs> I mean, I know we do, but, like... <laughs> it's interesting. That's how I feel um, about it. <laughs> because I really didn't even... I didn't watch the Oscars. I also I no did idea. not watch the Oscars. Until my significant other sent me a thing saying that um, Will Smith had slapped Chris Rock. Yeah. So, uh, from a crime, from a true crime, that's assault, right? So, yeah. Um, Chris Rock uh, decided he was not going to press charges for this assault, right? Yeah. Um, But I think that there's kind of more of an issue here now because he was allowed to remain at the ceremony and accept his... Yes, Will Smith was allowed to remain at the ceremony, accept his Oscar, get up, make a five-minute acceptance speech... And and got a standing ovation. Yeah, and walk around like nothing happened. And it came out later that the Academy is now... um, they, had ish, they are, have initiated an investigation, and they said that they had asked him to leave, and he refused. So there's actually people now saying that they, they're lying about that, that they never did ask him to leave. That they're just trying to cover their butts. Probably, yeah. It's interesting, though. Do you think he should have been able to stay after an event like that? I, I mean, I have no idea. Like, from my friends that did watch it, they said, like, it completely stopped the flow of the show. And, like, I don't – I think that, like – I don't know the right answer, man. I Like, I don't know that he should have been allowed to stay. I definitely don't think he should have been allowed to, like, make his acceptance speech. Like, we – nobody should – like, it shouldn't have just moved on like nothing happened. Which I understand, yeah. like, because it's live, like, you don't know exactly – how to handle that and they're all performers so like they're just trying to like make sure they don't miss a beat because it's live tv but at the same time like he hit him like he hit him some people said they thought it was all staged so because the oscars are so boring now no one watches it anymore and that it was all planned to try to gain you know some excitement so i thought it was staged at first too because like why in the world would that have happened like it doesn't make any sense like it was so bizarre but the like the more that has been said about it like i don't i think he just i don't i think he just acted completely inappropriately and just hit somebody it just seems so strange um given what i know about her um she's been very open about her hair loss with Mm -hmm. alopecia and she seems like a very very strong independent woman and the fact that well she just did that was just like wow what why was that necessary yeah i mean she just rolled her eyes at the joke like oh god here we go and like supposedly chris rock didn't know she has alopecia yeah so but i mean you know how does anybody know in the moment like i don't know 
just it's all very messed up like he just yeah straight, he, he hit somebody that's not okay yeah i mean and i tried to look at it from a criminal standpoint rather yeah. than just like an emotional standpoint because i've always liked will smith yeah from way back in the day when he was a rapper before he was even on the fresh prince of bel-air i was a huge fan right um and I have been throughout the years. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily been part of some of the most amazing um, projects. He's been part of some good projects, but not all of them have been amazing. Yeah. But I have always been a fan. And then to see this happen just seemed so sad to me because so many kids look up to him. Yeah. It was very, it was weird. Because, yeah, he's he's always been around. He's always, like... It seemed completely out of character for him. Yeah, that's the thing. It seems completely out of character. Like, he's always been really fun-loving and, like, carefree. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was just... Wild. Yeah, yeah. Radical, radical departure from typical behavior, as far as I can see. Although there are people that say that it really wasn't, that it was only a matter of time before something like this happened. And I think it kind of highlights the issue that there is a tremendous amount of pressure on these individuals um, to continuously make new content that's popular to be the perfect person to be the perfect role model and they slip up and make mistakes just like everybody else so i think that's something that we also have to acknowledge and the irony that he won an academy award for portraying venus and serena williams father like notoriously hard to get along with person yeah so uh, it was very interesting, yeah. um, and I thought it deserved. I thought it deserved some sort of a small mention, if not, you know, a full blown analysis. You know, the other thing that, I, that that now that we're talking about it, the other thing that bothered me is that when he did get up and make his speech, he was like, you know, I just I'm just protecting my family. Like, no, that's not okay. Like, you don't get to get out of it like that. Yeah, like that's not a sufficient justification for hitting somebody. Yeah, I think it just kind of. I think a lot of women felt offended by it um, for the simple fact that, you know, we're not in, you know, 17th century Britain yeah. where, you know, a man takes his glove off and slaps another man across the face if he insults his See, woman. I, I feel like I've seen it be like 50-50. Like, where people are like, I'm st- so, it's amazing that he stood up for his wife like that. Like, I don't know. Like, it, Yeah, there's definitely mixed reactions yeah, on both sides. Like it's very weird. And there was some indication that Chris Rock didn't even know she was suffering from alopecia. So it wasn't necessarily a, you know. It wasn't malicious. It was just a joke. I think that's just kind of how comedy has gone. I mean, they they say mean things a lot of times in comic routines nowadays. Yeah. Is there really a need for that? I don't don't know. But I mean, that's like, I don't know. That's not new. Like, they've they've always had, like, roasts and things like that. Like... But it's yeah. also one thing to be a comedian and not be able to take a joke about you or somebody in your yeah, family. Yeah, because you know Will I mean? Smith has been known for being a comedian, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I'm Interesting. I'm over it. It was stupid. He hit somebody. It's ridiculous. It's not okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to kind of transition over to the main case for the day. And this one is a really serious, um, and I would kind of caution people about this because the show today involves violence against a, a very young child. Um, so I just want to, you know, if you're triggered by that, please don't listen to the show today. But um, this case is currently winding its way through the court system because this particular person is now on death row and her execution is scheduled for April 27th this Whoa. year. Okay. And she is, she will be the sixth woman in U.S. history.
history since the death penalty was reenacted or put back in play in 1970s to be put to death, and she is the first Hispanic woman in the state of Texas to be sentenced oh, to death. Oh, okay. And this is a really, really interesting case because it's not cut and dry. It's not yeah. an Eileen Warnos kind of a thing where you've got a woman who clearly has significant mental health issues and clearly confesses to murdering people. It's mm-hmm. not like that at all. But let's kind of undress this case a little bit. This is Her name is Melissa Elizabeth Lucio, and she was born July 18, 1968. She was part of a large Catholic family, and they were pretty close-knit, although they were, from all accounts, very, very poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Melissa, in later years, she was molested beginning around the age of six by multiple relatives who were adult males. And when she reported this to her mother, her mom just kind of brushed her off, which Ugh. I think that's really one of those symptoms of these children experiencing mol- molestation and, and things like that in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. I had family members that went through the same thing, and when they told their parents, the, the mother or the father or whoever just kind of was like, yeah, right, whatever. Yeah, You're not, just, not believing a kid. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that is what happened to Melissa. And so she kind of grew up sort of believing and being forced to accept that this sort of abuse was normal. Mm. And these adult male relatives did this for years until it became part of her routine. As a consequence, she married at a very young age to escape the abuse and to kind of get away from all that. She was only 16 when she got married. Wow. And I believe the legal age to get married in Texas is 17, or maybe perhaps it was 18 at the time, but she did get her mother's consent. Okay. And presumably her mom was like, you're going to be a good Catholic woman. I support this. Get married. Right. Right. Unfortunately, though, Melissa's first husband was very abusive, allegedly. He sold drugs, drank excessively, and Melissa was soon trapped. And she had five kids within a very short period of time. She also developed an addiction for various drugs and alcohol herself because... In, when you're in a situation like that and you're suffering from abuse on a constant basis and you have no hope, yeah, I think it's very easy to turn to whatever you feel can numb that pain and that hopelessness. Well, and it sounds like it was also like readily available in her environment. Too. Yes, yes. So this little family lives in violence and poverty and substance abuse before the hubby just takes off one day and never comes back. Okay. Just later days. No divorce, no nothing. Just took off and never, no one heard from him again. Hmm. So now Melissa has to survive on her own with five small children, which it's, I'm reminded of my own mother. Yeah. Who dealt with the same thing. She had five kids that she had to support, support on her own. And we didn't have a lot of money either. It's, I don't know how women do it. It's yeah. incredibly challenging. So she ends up meeting another man. His name was Robert Alvarez. And these two have seven more kids together. Good in addition Lord. to the five that Melissa already has. Okay. So that's a lot of kids, that's right? so many kids. So at that point, they have 12 kids um, at this particular point in time when we kind of fast forward to this. And it's a pretty unstable existence. They're homeless at times. They have very, very low income. They're bouncing from home to home with both parents working multiple low-paying jobs just to pay the bills and support this large family. Mm. Which, uh, wow. Yeah. This birth, birth control just wasn't an option. Well. I because she was Catholic. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot, of, um, a lot of strict 
Catholics don't believe in birth control. But it just, it's got to be just extremely difficult. Yeah. So Child Protective Services does step in at various points in time, and they remove some of the children from the home for neglect. They don't, re- they don't remove them for abuse. They're not getting beaten or anything like that, but they're obviously not getting necessarily the time, the, the money put into them that they need, mm-hmm. um, especially with both parents working outside of the home continuously to try to put food on the table. Right. Okay. So the family is moving into a brand new apartment. This is mid-February 2007, and it seems like moving was kind of a frequent event for these kids and this family just because money was so tight that they had to kind of go where they could and where they could afford to go, right? So at that point, there were nine kids at the house, teenagers being the oldest, and the youngest was two-year-old Mariah. Okay. They had various other children in between, but there's a pretty wide age span between Mm -hmm. these children. And Friday, February 17, 2007, paramedics are called to the house. And at that point, they find Mariah laying on the floor unresponsive. Melissa claims the little girl had just never woken up from her nap. Okay. And the remaining family members back that up, and she was pronounced dead at the scene. Was she napping on the floor? (sighs) Maybe. Okay. The authorities then take Melissa in for questioning while they take the poor little Mariah to get sort of an autopsy to figure out what happened here. Uh And they questioned Melissa for nearly seven hours. Mariah had been found with bruises all over her body, broken bones, and bite marks. So clearly this little girl had been through something tremendous. The family claimed that two days earlier, Mariah had fallen down the apartment stairs. And they said this explained some of the bruising. Okay. So there's a couple of different things that are going on with that. Um, They had just moved, and the new apartment that they were in only had two very small non-kind of dangerous looking stairs. Uh The older apartment had a larger flight of stairs, which is the one that Mariah had actually fallen down. But when the paramedics come, they only see the small little, like non-dangerous set of stairs and think, how could this much damage happen from those stairs? And immediately begin to judge the situation based upon that evidence, right? Okay. Um, Evidently, other family members witnessed the fall of little Mariah when she fell down the stairs and was injured by that fall. Um, This kind of confused first responders, again, because they saw the small set of stairs and were like, how could that possibly have happened? And in fact, Mariah had fallen down the larger staircase. Um, Wait, hang on. I can't read my own writing. Why no one thought she was injured after she fell down the stairs two days before is just baffling to me. Like, yeah. how, do you, how, how do you have a two-year-old child fall down a large flight of stairs and not seek medical attention? Um, I think maybe the likely scenario was they didn't have health insurance, maybe, and they didn't want to have to pay for checking this poor baby out. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's that, but there, like, there's also, like, I have a friend whose daughter fell down the stairs. I mean, she was maybe four, um, but, like... They said she was just kind of like sitting at the bottom of the stairs, like not really doing. Like she wasn't crying. She wasn't. She wasn't doing anything. Hmm. But like they, they took. I mean, they took her in because she was just kind of like dazed. But she was just. I mean, she wasn't like saying, "Oh, I'm hurt." Like she, you know what I mean. So she was just kind of like just, yeah, 
zoned out kind of a thing so I don't know yeah. if maybe that's something that could happen but and I don't know if children just have you know uh, springers type bones I mean do you know about that I mean and it's just the kind of thing where it's not the same kind of damage if a full-grown person falls down um I know I know the fracture patterns in pediatric bone versus adult bones are different I know the tolerance for fractures is lower 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 so yeah so it takes less force to to fracture a pediatric bone than it does an adult bone interesting um okay but i don't know specifically about this like case but we're not but but they didn't she didn't have any skull fractures she just had so let's let's unpack this a little bit okay okay Okay. so the police um pressured uh, melissa to admit that she injured her daughter so they're interrogating her for this very long period of time and mm-hmm. they hand her this doll and they tell her to show them how hard she hit her child. Mm-hmm. They're basically saying, you did this, we know you did this, here's a doll, show us how hard you hit mm-hmm. her. Because le- we're not letting you out of here until you tell us that you did this. Right. Right. They're putting on the pressure, which they always do. Yeah. Um, and evidently the medical examiner looks at the poor baby and sees untreated broken arm, which is at least several weeks old. Okay. So that is not in line with falling down the stairs two days previously right um she also has head injuries and bruises all over in various stages of healing so again this isn't going to happen two days before she's got a bunch of bruising in various stages of healing right the examiner um declared that it was the worst case of child abuse that he'd ever come across Mm. with the bruises indicating that she hadn't got them in a single episode or a single fall yeah um so you would probably ask then how could they how could this little girl have had a broken arm and no one notices? I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's possible? Or yeah. Do you think it's yeah, you hear about that all the time in child abuse cases, unfortunately. That the child has a broken bone and no one knows? Yeah. Well, not that no one knows, but that nobody did anything about. Yeah. How, do you think and she was in tremendous pain, though? I mean, and how do you not, you know, if you're a child and it just, it's, it's, baffling to me how she could have not been like my arm hurts yeah I mean I don't know maybe she's she's two so maybe she wasn't I, I'm not a mom so I don't maybe I'm not I'm either so like putting, I mean my I she my didn't nephew, have the ability to speak my nephew's almost three like he he wouldn't be able to say like ow my arm hurts but like okay so you know what I mean so like I so don't maybe she know. was just too little to be able to, to express that words, her pain. To verbalize I don't know it. yeah um yeah but, I mean, you see that all the time. Not necessarily that, like, um, somebody has, like, a current broken arm, but you see all the time in, like, x-rays and stuff of children that have been in abusive situations where you've seen a broken um, bone that hasn't healed correctly. Like, it wasn't taken care of, so it just healed crooked. Like, you see that yeah. all the time. Yeah, interesting. And I think, you know, there are have been probably cases where a child breaks something and it goes undiagnosed or unnoticed, maybe. Yeah. At times. I'm sure that's not an impossibility. In any case, um, the police and first responders notice that Melissa seems unconcerned, unemotional. And they also notice that she has previous records of drug and alcohol use and neglect mm-hmm. with her children. And so they, I think they automatically presume that she's somehow guilty of something bad right with this incident may 31st 2007 melissa gets charged with capital murder which is the most serious crime in the state of texas and it's the only one where you can be sentenced to the death penalty there 
so this is an un excuse me this is an intentional and knowing intentional and knowingly causing death okay. of another person um, premeditation isn't necessarily required but in this case because the victim was very young 10 years or younger then it's an aggravating circumstance which okay allows for the death penalty to right. be issued um, bail was not offered in this case as many times it is not in these sorts of cases and Melissa was actually pregnant with twins while she was waiting for her oh trial oh my gosh and she was forced to give them up for adoption when mm-hmm. they were born yeah as this whole thing is going down and that was number 12 and number 13 or no, 13 no, no, and 14 13 and 14 yeah. oh my gosh so hard to keep track in any case it's just it's horrifying right yeah in the meantime though the dad is sort of He's not even in this. He, I think they charged him with neglect, something of that nature, but no, he was not charged with any of the murder. He wasn't charged with any of that. They say that was likely because he wasn't on the scene at the time that this whole thing went down. He's either out working or he just wasn't at the house when all of this went down. And this is the second husband, not the one that yeah. failed. Okay. And I don't I don't know that there's even evidence that these two were married because her first husband just took oh, off, okay. but they, they had been a couple. Okay. So... And he was the father of a good portion of these children. Okay. It was thought, though, that the local prosecutor used this case as kind of a stepping stone for further political office and to get reelected and so yeah. forth. Mm. So he has an incentive to kind of crack down on crime. Which Tough is on crime, prosec- which yeah, they love in Texas. And DAs and all those guys have just, that's a big thing for them. Yep. May 29th, 2008, the murder trial begins for Melissa Lucio. First responder testimony kept pointing to the fact that Melissa was not emotional when they arrived, and she didn't try to hold or provide care for her daughter when this Mm -hmm. whole thing was going down. Um, She wasn't even within arm's reach trying to comfort or hold her daughter. Um, The emergency room caregivers claimed that she was, um, that the little girl had various injuries and no head injury, which would be clear signs of abuse. So they're saying... Melissa claimed that the little girl fell down the stairs and there was some sort of head injury involved that she didn't really know about from the little girl falling down the stairs. But the emergency room people were, the doctor in the emergency room was saying, no, there's no head injury indicated. But the doctor who did the autopsy says that she died from blunt force trauma. And this conflicts with the emergency room doctor's testimony. Okay, okay, wait. Okay, go back to when she went to the emergency room? She goes to the emergency room. He sees that she's got a broken arm. He sees some of the injuries, but he does not indicate that there is any kind of head injury, as Melissa had indicated, from falling down the stairs. That she must have had some kind of head injury from falling down the stairs. The mother. This is is after they found her? Yes. And they take her immediately in to examine her. And the doctor who does the autopsy says, no, 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 this is blunt. She died from blunt force trauma. So, like, you got to figure the emergency room is kind of doing a cursory. He's not actually going in and dissecting the body in any way, shape, or form. And they're doing that with the autopsy so they can actually see the internal damage in this little girl's head, right? Yeah. They also said from the autopsy that it would have been immediately apparent that Mariah was in distress and needed medical attention. And that the injuries were not consistent with a fall down the stairs. But they were okay. more consistent with somebody hitting this little girl in the head. Okay. Like either knocking her against something or hitting her in the head with something. She also had bite marks and that broken arm from weeks before. The family said that the bite marks were from other kids in the family just playing rough. I could kind of see that. Like... Kids do go through biting phases. Like, you hear about that all the time, too. Like, kids get, like, their parents call from daycare, and they're like, so-and-so bit 
yeah. you know? Yeah. Like you, no. you do hear about that, but, like, with that to all, me wasn't everything the most else. That wasn't the most suspicious part. Like, I think right. it's... And I think that they're looking at the totality of the circumstances involved here and not just necessarily one thing or the other. Yeah. And then you've got these witnesses that are continuously testifying that she was not emotional and she wasn't acting, quote-unquote, like an innocent person. Right. Which we all know now, there is no one prescribed way somebody should act when they've lost a child or when something right. bad happens. But I think during this period in time, there were still sort of this group of people that believed that if you lost a child or if you suffered a traumatic thing like this that you should be emotional and you should be sad and you should be crying and screaming and trying to jump in the coffin with your child and right. things of that nature right and I mean, there's there's also eight other children in the house she's pregnant with two children like maybe she's willingly trying to hold it together like yeah and we'll talk about I mean? we'll talk about that a little bit more um as we continue to unpack this then there was one little thing though she's in this you know the interrogation room she says i guess i did it I'm responsible. And they mm. just immediately take that to mean she's confessing. Right. So the defense team keeps insisting that the fall down the stairs killed Mariah and that she was not abused by her mother at all. The rest of the kids back that up. They said, Mom never hit us. She may mm -hmm. have neglected us, but we were never hit. Mm -hmm. They also said that Melissa was pressured repeatedly in the interrogation room. She was not given food, water, or bathroom breaks. She's pregnant, mm -hmm. you know, six, seven months pregnant with twins. And, like, that's got to be a really, really rough thing. And that she was clearly stressed out by this, the interrogators who are constantly pressuring her to confess, right? Yeah. That her confession was coerced is yeah. what they essentially are saying. Then they had multiple mental health professionals come in and they studied Melissa and they said that she was showing clear signs of suffering from post-traumatic stress and abuse that she'd suffered in the past. Mm -hmm. And that like many others in her situation, she was more susceptible to influence when they, tell her, when they told her she did it. And she Absolutely. believed them, right? Yeah. So the DA though objected to these professionals and none of them were allowed to be considered in the trial. <sighs> and this whole kind of... Um, there's this whole kind of innocent person wrongly confessing kind of a thing that I think that there is a broad swath of the legal community that does not believe that innocent people confess. Yes. And then there's the other side that looks at the studies and the science behind it and show that there are many, many, many innocent people that wrongly confess to crimes because of a variety of different reasons. But yeah. they didn't even consider this in the trial of like, this woman. I know we've talked about this before, and I know that there's, I don't know, I, I, I mean, I don't know how to solve this. There's no solution. I don't know. It's wild to me that it's just up to a judge whether or not to allow yeah. an expert Evidence to tell. Yeah, like, nature. it's just, like. Especially in a death penalty case. Yeah, like, it's just, like, you're, you're a judge. You have so many years of experience in the law, but, like, who are you to tell somebody who presumably has a Ph.D. or an M.D.? And has, like, you know, done years and years and years of research that is an expert, an expert in PTSD. To, like, who, who are you? Like, yeah. like, I just, it's just wild to me. It is. And I think that that is kind of at the core of this case. Because here's Melissa. She's zero signs that she's physically abused any of her children. She has no prior record of abuse. The only thing she had was a DUI conviction, mm -hmm. which they tried to use as more evidence against her. Of course. Which really has nothing to do with the case at hand, according to legal experts. 
Yeah, I mean, as long as the like there wasn't a child in the car when she got the DUI, then there's no, no. like relationship between the DUI and her yeah. treatment. Well, of in any case, July third, two thousand eight, the trial ends in a conviction of guilty for <sighs> Melissa of capital murder, and a death sentence is handed down to her July two thousand eight. Okay, mm-hmm. so she's she's in hot water at this point. As I mentioned earlier, Melissa is the first woman of Hispanic origin to be sentenced to death in Texas. First appeal goes to the state appellate court, and they affirm the verdict. Mm-hmm. The second appeal, 2019, there's a three-judge panel that hears this case and overturns the conviction. And they basically say that the trial court interfered with her right to present her own defense properly, and again, by denying those expert witnesses okay. the ability to testify on her behalf. But then, same group of judges overturns that and just lets it stand and they send her back to death row they said that it did not meet the bar for federal intervention oh so they just just, basically sent it back to the state yeah basically just baffling then august 2021 melissa's case starts heating up when these some very big players get involved scholars civil rights attorneys and the innocence project become interested in this case and it's interesting because the innocence project typically deals with dna type cases and Mm -hmm. this is not a dna case right so they file an amicus they deal with with cases where they can they're confident they can overturn the majority of them have some kind of a dna type component to it but this one did not um but they did file an amicus brief on her behalf stating that the um death of her child was actually the her reaction at the death of her child was actually related to surviving abuse and trauma and that including that expert testimony about trauma and how it affects people that have been victims of it deprived her of a fair trial essentially so excluding that expert testimony deprived her of a fair trial so it needs to go back and she needs to get another trial is what they're saying okay but January 2022, the execution warrant was signed, and she's scheduled to be executed April 27, 2022. So there's a couple of different options about what can happen here. Number one, she can get a new trial. Mm-hmm. Number two, they can pardon her. Number three, they can commute her sentence, or they can uphold and execute her. So I know the commutation and the pardon, and those come from the governor getting a new trial who decides whether or not that happens that would have to be the supreme court supreme court like okay. it would have to go to the top court wherever she is but the thing is the supreme court declined to hear her case so that's good so be the supreme then. court gets about seven to eight thousand cases per term yeah. and they only hear less than one percent of those cases and they right. declined in october 2021 they declined to hear her case and so she currently sits on death row but the list of supporters is constantly filing paperwork on her behalf um and this includes the innocence project which is a huge huge player in this Mm -hmm. and they keep pointing to this fact that past trauma and its impact on women and gender-based violence and how it impacts women as well Mm -hmm. and they say you know if there's no postponement they plan to file for clemency um, which would be a dismissal of the charges or to get her sentence commuted to remove the death penalty portion of it it's really interesting because, number one, they didn't really look into any other possibilities about what could have possibly happened here besides Melissa right. killing her own daughter, right? Um, the mother was a drug user during Mariah's pregnancy, and Mariah was actually born with birth defects, including feet that turned in. So she was very clumsy and often tripped as a result of this sort mm-hmm. of birth defect, right? 
so her siblings also say they picked on her and were rough and abusive at times. Witnesses and medical health uh, professionals should not have been prevented from testifying on her behalf because yeah. that was a critical, critical factor in how she reacted when her daughter died, yeah. right? Interestingly enough, there's some other stuff going on in the background in this case. The DA that prosecuted this case uh, is now in prison for 13 years for bribery and extortion schemes. Whoa. Yeah. And so, evidently, he went to jail, had to pay a whole bunch of money in restitution and fines. Her original defense attorney would not call the kids to testify. So there's some question as to whether he was ineffective as counsel, right? right? He didn't call the kids to testify. He said that they was, it would have been a waste of time. That they wouldn't have been able to sit still. So, like, again, that's ineffective counsel. Those kids right. could have shed light on so many different things, especially yeah. since some of them were teenagers at the time. Right, the happened. older ones for sure. He is now the highest paid district attorney in office. So he switched the sides. The defense attorney. Uh-huh. So that's a little sketchy. Mm. Um, and then there is a petition online with over 50,000 signatures to get this death sentence knocked off the board. Um, you can go to savemelissa.org or check out the hashtag SaveMelissaLucio. This woman clearly was no angel. But I think she deserves a new trial. I think this evidence well, from the professionals was clearly excluded for some strange and bizarre reason. But she needs a new trial. Yeah, like, there's no, I mean, she's no angel in the sense that who is? Like, you know what I mean? Like, she messed up. We've all messed up. Like, yeah, she came from terrible circumstances. Like, yep. the cards were not dealt in her favor. And then this, like, this really awful, awful thing happened, and she's being punished for it. And yeah. what's the harm in delaying I mean, we've talked about this. I'm anti-death penalty across the board, but, like, I know you're not necessarily. But what's the harm in delaying the execution to it's hear this out further? Horrific. Do you she, know what I mean? She's the mother of 13 children, and she's very close to their family. They stand by her yeah. 100%. Um, and then there's also the possibility that she's protecting one of her other kids that actually did this. At the very I mean, they've least, they've admitted to bullying. Like, yeah. it, doesn't even, it doesn't even have to be the somebody intentionally yeah killed her like it, it may have just been an accident a very unfortunate accident it's a horrific horrific case i'm not gonna you know mince right. words on that but interestingly enough since 1973 186 people have been exonerated from death row 16 in texas alone which is all the more reason to stay this execution yeah. Um, and then I, there was an article that came out about her. There's a lot of articles lately that are calling for her death sentence to get overturned. But this one came on Oxygen just recently. A group of Texas lawmakers is asking that the execution of a woman convicted of killing her toddler daughter be delayed or commuted. I had questions about her guilt. 83 Texas legislators have signed a letter in support of Melissa Lucio, 53, who is scheduled to die by lethal injection April 27th. We ask that you pay particular attention to the new scientific evidence that has emerged since the time of Miss Lucio's trial showing her daughter Mariah died after a tragic accident rather than an intentional capital murder, the letter states. Lucio, a former janitor, was convicted for the death of her two-year-old child Mariah in 2007. The girl died of blunt force injuries to the head, according to the Texas Tribune. Lawmakers say that Miss Lucio was sentenced for a murder that, simply put, did not take place no eyewitnesses account exists saying otherwise 
Miss Lucio's case is one that gives even the strongest death penalty proponents among us pause. When the toddler was found dead, investigators discovered bruises, scratches, and bite marks on her body. While Lucio admitted to spanking and biting Mariah, she denied having anything to do with a head injury. The Innocence Project of Texas, who is representing Lucio, says the child had fallen down the stairs at their home days earlier. At the time, the two lived with Lucio's husband and nine other children. Mariah was the youngest. At a rally asking for clemency for the mother, one of her two sons told a local radio station, She's a great mother. She's not a perfect mother. We all have imperfections. In their letter, lawmakers point out disparities between how Lucio and her husband were treated following the girl's death. Unlike Mrs. Lucio, who had no documented history of violence toward her children, her husband had a history of assaultive behavior, but is now a free man after serving a four-year sentence for child endangerment, they state. Huh. That's wild to me. So he gets off, four-year sentence for child endangerment, and the mom is basically going to get executed. Yeah. And she has no history of physically abusing her children. Yeah. I'm just I'm up. just mind blown by that like last little bit because it's like oh yeah here's this like other piece of info where it talks of you know basically the the husband has a history of abuse of child abuse and he's off the hook and he got four years and she's going to be executed I listened to two or three other podcasts about this case before I decided to do this one and was kind of influenced by it I'm not I'm neither, you know, a supporter or, or a, an opponent of the death penalty, but I feel mm-hmm. like this case has really gotten a lot of strong reactions from people. Um, and they clearly believe she didn't get a fair trial. And right. I'm kind of one that believes in, as well in the psychological ramifications and impacts of abuse throughout life and how that kind of creates different reactions in us that may be different. You know, that flat affect and the sort of things that right. she's accused of after her daughter died. And, not to mention the fact that she's got a dozen other children and she's pregnant. Right. So, like, cut the woman some slack for Pete's sake. Yeah. She's got 13 kids. What harm is it going to do to let her spend the rest of her life in prison? Right. I mean, wor- like, worst case scenario, spend the rest of her life in prison. Right. But, I mean, it just doesn't seem like they were willing to consider any other options. Right. And I'm not telling anybody to do one thing or another, but if you, if this sparks some kind of interest in you, look the case up, sign the petition if you feel strongly about it, because this woman's life is at stake here. Right. In a very short period of time, she could potentially be put to death. I don't right. think it's going to happen. I think it's going to get commuted. I hope so. I don't. Have Something's going to happen. The governor of Texas, but they're either going to stay that execution or something's going to happen. They're not going to put her to death. I wish I had your faith in that. <laughs> so that's kind of my, my thought on that. But in any case, um, if you don't have anything else to add on this, again, we will put that into the show notes, the articles that were used on this. But you can go to savemelissa.org or hashtag savemelissalucio. It's M-E-L-I-S-S-A. Her last name is L-U-C-I-O. Um, and as well, if you want to know more about domestic violence and about traumatic experiences and how they affect people, Google it. There's yeah. a lot of research out there that really talks about that now. And I know we've kind of 
dipped our toes into it on other shows where we've talked about how that abuse impacted women and their behavior later in life. And it's really becoming, as we mentioned earlier, less of a mitigating factor in sentencing and more as a, of a defense for right. like, guilt or innocence. So right. it's very interesting stuff. And I'm kind of, I'm going to be following this closely as it continues to unwind itself and flow through the legal system. Yeah, for sure. Okie doke. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this case, you can shoot us an email. We're at the BFDpodcast at gmail.com. And we will post some pictures of this little girl and her mother on our Instagram account. What is the handle on that one, Darcy? Yeah, we are at the BFD Podcast um, on Instagram. So like like Sarah said, we'll post the info for the the petition and, and hashtags and all of that stuff too there. Yes. And please join us again next time when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe. Keep it real. And always live your very best life. Bye. Bye, guys.